This week on S4C, we have got some score action. Some Saturday evening, 5.15 kickoff. Who have we got? There were some question marks. Who was going to play in this game? European Europa League playoff semi-final. There's only one now. Connors Key winning the Welsh Cup means we're off to the capital. Cardiff Met playing against Barry Town, who have been on an unbelievable run. Cardiff Met started the season brilliantly. Barry are the team that finished strongly. It's going to be an interesting game to see who gets to play Kevin Druids in the final for that spot. European football, good bit of finance for the club, for whichever one ends up being successful. So 5.15 kickoff, on air at 5. Usual crew, we're going to be down there, hopefully getting well looked after. Watch S4C, Scorio. And don't forget to watch Moyo Scorio on Wednesday evenings, 6.30, Dolan Ebenezer. I'm on there this week with Shona David. Malcolm will be on next week, I think with big Hugh Griffiths. Just watch Scorio. Scorio and S4C. Enjoy. A very warm welcome back to everybody another episode of the Longman's Football World and this podcast I think this one especially shows my finger is on the pulse I am one step ahead today's guest the newly appointed manager of Wrexham Football Club big job inexperienced manager but unbelievable experience as a player a man who I first got to know when I went down to Swansea for a trial He'd been down there for a year, been part of the successful promotion winning team from League Two to the Championship, a Welsh international at that time and, and got to know got to know Sam throughout, uh, well, just the first season at Swansea. He buggered off then, he'd had enough, uh, but, but kept in touch and he remains probably one of my closest friends from, from within the game. Um, I'm done with a, po- a podcast with him up to now. You know, frankly, he'd probably be too boring. But now, as soon as he got this Wrexham job, I thought, yes, he's having it. He's getting grilled. Get to know uh, his plans for the future for this club. You know, reminisce a little bit. Our time together. Um, about a few different bits and bits and bobs. So, looking forward to this one. Just, just driving in now around this roundabout. Coming in, I can see the race course, I can see the floodlights in the distance. I've asked him to put a spread on, a little buffet for the long man. No, coffee and Jaffa cakes was the only thing he could offer. Very poor, but um, you know, I guess he's got to find his feet. He's got to get to know the staff, make them like him. But um, yeah, really looking forward to this. So, just parking up, ready to get myself in the race course, a football ground to meet and to chat with the Wrexham manager, Mr. Sam Ricketts. Ricketts is the name. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen about his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot. Long run, your blues will be long gone with 
Ricketts is the name. <laughs> Here we are, Sam, the new manager of Wrexham. What a uh, what an interesting couple of weeks you've had. Yeah, gone from um, you know, very very quickly. You know, you go from from having a bit of time on your hands. You're thinking just come to the end of the season, can have a break, can spend some time at home with the family, and then uh, a couple of days later, you're you're busier than what you ever have been. Do you reckon your missus had been on the phone with a few different clubs? She's had a couple of days of you, sick of you, saying, please, someone give this man a job. I want him out of the way. If I got home, yeah. I was just about probably about a week off getting home and spending some time at home and we're doing a house up and different bits and pieces. And I thought, right, another week I'll be fucking gloves on, paintbrush out, you know, and, and getting going at home, just doing any, any, anything and everything. And that's now all gone on the back burner. I've given her my paintbrush. <laughs> So how, do, how does it come about, you know, in terms of getting a job? How far in advance did you know? Did you have a little sniff? You put your CV in, I guess. Is that, is that how it works? Listen. Or is um, it contacts? I know, I know Carl Darlington and I know Carl when he came in last year and what um, Dean Keats brought him in. And we just um, were talking about it about a year ago and the structure which was getting put in place then and what he was doing. I thought, yeah, interesting. Um, Sounds really good. And then he would like watch Wrexham over the season because I wanted to follow Darlow really as much as anything. So you've had, you've had one eye on it? Yeah, not, not so much, not an eye on the job, just an eye on the club because I knew Darlow was coming in and I wanted him to do well, um, seeing what they were going to do. I thought, well, that'd be interesting. Would, would it work? And, and it worked. They were, the club, you know, were doing really, really well. You keep an eye on it. Then Dean Keats left and thought, okay, interesting. We'll watch that a little bit more. And then as time goes on, um, you know, it it became a, um, something that was of interest to me. So Keith leaves, Dallow, um, a couple of them come step up and take the job and stuff like that. How soon after would you have been, would the contact have been made? Was it actually right at the end of the season or was it a couple of weeks before? No, it was more at the end of the season, to be honest with you. I think um, the club were doing that well. I think they just wanted to keep the, it going really as much as anything because no one would have foreseen dropping out of the playoffs. Um, I think the players were probably thinking that, that was their lowest target back then, mm. if I'm honest with you. So I think that from the club's point of view, they wanted to keep it rolling without any real change. And then towards the end of the season, it became apparent that, you know, um, results didn't go their way and dropping out the playoffs. So then they thought, right, now we're, we're ready. It hasn't worked just keeping it ticking over. We're ready to to do something now and make an appointment. And it's probably worked in your benefit that they missed out on the playoffs. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'd rather be sat here if we're in the playoffs, though, or you know, um, the club being in, in League Two. But you might not have got a job. Yeah, I might not have got a job, but um, you know, we were, it's, a, it's a hard one, isn't it? So, um, yeah. 
That's that's the way football works, my friend. One one little door opens. But you were happy, weren't you? You've had a, a little spell at Wolves coaching. Yeah, so retired during last season, finished out my playing contract. Um, so some would say retired a long time ago, yeah, mate. Should have retired a long time ago, I think. Um I saw out I retired during the season, I still had a playing contract at Coventry. So rather than just to fair, the club gave me the option and said, Listen, you you can't obviously you've had to retire in about October time. Just go away now if you want. You know, it's not my contract was there, so I had to get paid and everything. And I said, no, I want to come in, and just went from playing one day to coaching the next, and probably set myself up. It was good. It was good that first year at Coventry, first team football, uh, first team coach, twenty uh, threes, taking twenty threes games, um, bit of scouting, uh, bit of everything really. It was it was really really good. I don't think I would have had you down. I know we we did the uh, coaching badges together, B, B and A licence. You know, one of us has done a little bit more work on the A <laughs> licence than the other. Some of us have still got some work to do, haven't we? Haven't? <laughs> um, but we went through that together. But probably if you would have asked me before that whether you were going to be a manager, I'm not sure if I would have believed that you would have been. Not that you couldn't. I thought you would have had you know, your fingers in a few other pies in terms of biz- the business mm. world and stuff like that. Was it something that was always on your radar? No, not until I was about 20, 28, 29, 30, around that sort of time. Up until then, I think like most young players, I was no interest in coaching whatsoever. As soon as I finish, I'm gone. Um, as you start getting older, you start seeing... The, probably the key to it was probably uh, Gary Speed at Wales, in all fairness. Um, Gary Speed and Raymond Bahian, um, he brought uh, Football for me had always been a bit of a... Um, a half time if it wasn't going well manager come in and shout yeah. try harder to me that didn't really mean anything and it wasn't until Gary Speed and Rain Behind come in and brought a process in place so if it wasn't working well there were reasons why not just try harder and that was probably what twigged my, my brain and thought oh actually there's a process behind something so I can understand when it's working why it's working and when it isn't working why isn't it working um, thankfully the days of managers coming in you know when the game being a flip of a coin every week. One week it works and you win 3-0 and everyone's brilliant. The next week it's exactly the same, flip of a coin, it comes down and you get beat 3-0 and the manager tells you, you didn't try, you weren't this, you weren't that. I thought, well, I did exactly the same as what I did last week. Um, so to understand the process behind it more is what um, interested me more into it. And then I think the love of the game, really, I think, as much as anything. But th- that's all you would have known, isn't it? You, you know, I, I, we were at Swansea together and the Kenny and you missed out on Roberto coming in and, and having that sort of vision of football almost as a chess match yeah. which is what you saw later on with, with Gary Speed and, and Raymond Verheyen before that it was just the norm for you wasn't it even on the pitch like channel balls turning yeah very very um, ad hoc really just every time you got the ball it would be different pitches everyone being different so my right wing wouldn't always necessarily be wide my centre midfielder wouldn't always be showing to feet and every time I was getting the ball, it was just something different on. It wasn't the same process as either player A, B or C would be on, depending on what the opposition are doing. So yeah, I did miss out on Robbie. He tried to bring me back and I said no. Did you? Yeah. Why? Because you were so happy at Hull? <laughs> no, because Hull were in the league above. That was why. And I committed to go to Hull. I uh, sorry, when he came in, you had you not... I'd already gone. Yeah. So I left that summer and then I went up to Hull. About six months later, Roberto came back as manager at Swansea. Yeah. And I come and met at a hotel. Um, Gary was already injured. Gary Monk was already injured. So I went come over to see him. Was it when we played Hull? No, it was you were playing. Who were you playing? Scunthorpe? You might have played someone like Scunthorpe. And I came over, stopped at the hotel, come to see everyone. Robbie Paulman said, do you want to come back? 
And I said, not yet. I said, I've only been gone six months. I haven't given this a full crack of the whip yet. Hey, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, Sam, you, you want to come back? You are like Silvino. And then he saw an Angel Rango anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what a great decision. <laughs> um, I think I've got to play left back. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I missed out on Robbie, which was a shame, really. And at the time, I thought, well... I then went on and played Premier League football and it was always just a little bit ahead of Swansea. And about five years later, Swansea maintained Premier League football. I thought, oh, maybe I should have. You know, if I'd stayed at Swansea, I probably would have got there anyway. But I had to go for my career and that's the only reason I left Swansea. Well, not money. No, not really. Apart from... Why are you telling me lying? Why are you lying on the podcast? <laughs> it wasn't podcast? money. I went because it was... We were... What were we? We got promoted firstly <clears throat> season League Two. You yeah. came in that summer, League One. Yeah. We got beat in the playoff final that summer. Battered him, 27 shots to nine. Any chance Lee Trundle scoring a goal, cutting in on his left foot? I'll never forget it, and he put it wide. Anyway, got beat in the playoff final. Hole came in for me that summer. Yeah. You, we started pre-season, didn't we? I remember yeah, I did the, the first two or three days, yeah. yeah. Um, Hole came in for me that summer. Um, didn't want to go. Loved Swansea. Um, just it was the next level up. It was a championship. Hated, hated, strong word. Never really settled at Hull off the pitch. I was a long way away from everyone. The players were very different. Not in a bad way, just had their own families. At Swansea, we were very young and we'd go out together every afternoon and evening and it was very, really, really social. Hull weren't, wasn't really like that. But then the football side of it, after the first year, went really well. Obviously, got promoted to the Premier League. In my second year, third year, we stayed up and the opportunity came for me to leave and go to Bolton and I, and I was off. Have you, you know, after Hull... You... You've played for a number of different clubs. Bolton, um, Coventry, Wolves, anyone else in there? Went alone at Swindon. Swindon, yeah. Have you have you had a dressing room? You, you know, because you're talking about the contrast between being at Swansea and being at Hull in terms of the dressing room. Was that the best for you in terms of the group of lads? Winning helps everything. So I've been fortunate enough we got promoted out of most, every league. Any team that gets promoted, you generally end up in a good dressing room because you've because you're winning every keeps everyone happy pressure's off but Swansea was probably the the best I come from non-league joined a club which was a big club at the time um, you've probably experienced it when you came in that these lads all actually get on mm. um, and get on really well uh, and it was probably the best but all different as well it wasn't as if we all got on because we were the same type of yeah it was a real mixed bag wasn't it yeah but it was good, wasn't it? It's just the environment. Everyone lived close to each other because we had a few travel from Bristol, but that was it, really. And I think that makes a big difference. And the fact that Swansea was Swansea, and if you're from Swansea, you support Swansea, and we used to go out to lunch every day because we didn't have a training ground. So we went to a little Paco's restaurant, and then we're going to town for a coffee, four, five, six, seven, eight of you every single day. It wasn't who's coming for a coffee. It was they'd always be going. It's just how many were going to go. And, and the same then when you know when you're young and out at weekends, it was, it was the same. You weren't that young, were you? I say young. You weren't acting your age. 23? Mm. I think maybe. Mid-20s. You, sh- you should have known better, Sam. No, I was 23 then. Yeah, that is quite young. It was only twice a week we used to go out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember coming in, I was on trial to start with. Yeah. I just have a picture of like different things from, from the week that we had pre-season. In, um, I was talking to Big Bayak in Fenway recently. Yeah. But after fair, we went to the army camp and stuff. Oh. Remember Big Bale coming in with a suitcase yeah. and Pash coming to push him up the sand dunes <laughs> and stuff like that. 
But I, re- I remember you and you and monks would room together. Yeah. You know, tight as anything, good good mates. You were sort of, you almost epitomised the dressing room, didn't you? Not that you were a leader, like, but you know, it was it was a case of everyone get together, and I I felt that coming in coming in for my trial. We just we were just good lads. I I signed really naively, turned up first day of preseason, nowhere to stay. <laughs> I stayed in a hotel the night before. The club put me in for one night. Right, one night training the next day. So words get around us, and someone said, "Oh, Gary Monks just rented a two bed." I was like, "You right, Gary." You got two bed, yeah. yeah. Right, can I move in with you? And that was it. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Well, you can't tonight, because my mum and dad are up." But after that, you can. And then that was it. Then. Really. Yeah. So I lived with him for. We lived together for about three months, and I we bought houses next door to each other, pretty much. Mine was ready before him, so then we moved into my house for a while, and then eventually his was ready, so he moved into his. Yeah. It's, and then it's... you came in the summer. I... <laughs> Why didn't you advise me? Because you all lived in like Birch Grove. Why didn't you advise me to buy a house in Birch Grove? I tried. And you were like, no, I'm going to the Clairthby. I've lost about... My family lived down there. I'm going down there. Wouldn't listen to anyone, would you? You know, I've bought a a pretty sensible... better than us. A sensible terraced house in Kanehi that I've lost a lot of money on, Sam. Any chance (laughs) of a bit of help? I'm laughing because I bought a house. 142,000 in about 2004, whenever it was assigned for Swansea. I sold it 10 years later... And I lost twenty grand or something. How well? How does that happen? If I could have bought in London for one hundred and forty-two grand, it'd probably worth half a million. Sam, and I lost money. Sam, I'd take that now. I've told you before. I bought a house in Kinecki for one hundred and thirty-seven thousand. It's now getting offers of eighty, eighty thousand. <laughs> if you're not, I've not lost, sold it yet. No, and I've got no tenants. It needs a complete refurb. That's who com- did it up. That's oh my god. So I would be more than happy having a house in Birch Grove that lost twenty grand, but that's. that's I tried life. to help you, but you no, weren't you listening. Didn't. Nah, you didn't. You weren't listening. Lad. Do you know what? You did try and help me. I remember I actually stumbled upon a little sheet. Don't know if you'd remember doing it. This is probably last year, but going through a few bits and bobs, because I came in real, very green, very yeah. naive to the world. Didn't have a clue. You tried to play your first game in flip flops. <laughs> no, that's training. Do you remember that? I remember Kevin Nugent coming down. Was there a trial game? Was it a trial game? I don't know. I wasn't playing. And Kevin Nugent was like, has anyone got a size 10? <laughs> size 10 boots? There's a lad up there, his boots flapping around. It's coming apart. And I was like, no, I'm not giving my boots to a trialist. The whole soul was hanging up. It was hanging on probably, what are we talking, 10 millimetres still left on the back of it. It was just flopping about. It was about. embarrassing. But I still played on, didn't I? Hey, that's hard. Listen, that's determination. you must have had something because you got a contract out of it. Probably the gaffer just felt sorry for you. Nah. Listen, this kid, he can't even afford a pair of boots. So good. I don't even need boots. Just play barefoot, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. But yeah, so good time. I can't even remember what I was going to say. What were you going to say then? You found a bit of paper. Oh, yeah, yeah, a bit of paper. So naive to, to football, really, and contracts. I've, I've, I've said it before, being in a meeting discussing bonuses for the season, upcoming season. Seeing all you boys, I'm just a bit of a wallflower, just hanging out in the back and seeing what's going on. Eyes everywhere. You boys are challenging Kenny Jacket and asking for this, and he's cowering. That, that would just have been trans, monks. Yeah, so Roberto. so Kenny's, Kenny's coming back and definitely not wanting to help the lads out with a bit more of a bonus. And it was agreed on 500... I can remember it. 500 quid for a win. Yeah. 
And I swear to God, I th- I, in my head, I'm working out, right, if I'm in the squad, 18-man squad, what's 500 divided by 18? 18. I thought it was the share. You know, I think, I think the only bonus we would have had at Bangor, maybe in a Welsh Cup game, like £15 for a win. You know, and then figuring £500 each. Oh God, this is <laughs> no this wonder is you started running around scoring goals. <laughs> no wonder I was just chucking notes uh, in uh, in Kanehi, just buying <laughs> these shitty terraced houses. Properties, just chucking them out. But then this is this is a long-winded point, isn't it? Found the piece of paper, yeah. so to discuss contracts and stuff like that, and bonuses, and you'd written down, in fairness, like what you can potentially ask for. Did I help you? You're ringing a bell now. So, like, uh, on the list of paper, uh, appearance fee, which I didn't know you could get. Yeah. I don't think you put a goal score in. You might have, actually. But I didn't... I, didn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have done I didn't get it. I didn't <laughs> get it. I've seen your play, lad. I didn't put that in. <laughs> um, what else is there? International call-up, if I was to be called up. You Did obviously you have experience. I, I can't even remember, mate. I'm sure. I'm, I'm pretty not being sure funny. something would I'm have been not, in there. I have looked you, after you so well. Why are you asking for a percentage? And you've turned up ten years later with a bottle of wine. In all fairness to you, uh, it's I... taken you ten years to say thanks for making you thousands. I'm not sure about that, but the, but it was in there, like international. If I played for you Wales, you signed a three-year contract, didn't you? It was a year, a year initially, and then the second one was for three years. Um, so yeah, thanks for the help, Sam. It's all right, lad. But yeah, it was raw. raw didn't t- appreciate it. <laughs> it was raw times, wasn't it? But a good season uh, where we just fell a little bit short, didn't we? Yeah, we should have got out that year. Bayo and Tatey. Blame Tatey, will we? Yeah. You can blame Bayo if you want. You're So the decision comes then to move to Hull and you've, you've, you've touched on it there. Not happy for you. No, just listen. New straight away. Yeah, I used to go, I moved up by myself, just by myself, so I moved up there. And everything we're saying about Swansea, Hull was the complete opposite. So Swansea was, didn't have a training ground, we train, um, go straight down to Paco's, little Spanish restaurant, Roberto Martinez used to look after it, then something to eat, go into there for a coffee, even at night, so I'd go back, me and Gaz would be, um, more or less live together, even though we had separate houses, driving together and, and whatever to be in a, a great social. I went to Hull. They had a training ground. They served food. I'm using that very lightly in that first year because it was just just a building, really, as much as anything. It didn't really do anything. And the, it was probably amazing for you at the time. You weren't used to having a building in Swansea. No, but it, I'd rather have gone Paco's, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, that. yeah. And then all the lads would disappear by half 12, and I'd be sat there thinking, oh... Is that it? Does anyone? No, no one's even here to ask if they want, still want to go for a coffee or anything. There was nothing. So I'd literally go home at half 12. I wouldn't see another soul till the next day. I was just bored probably as much as anything, to be honest with you. I was probably at it not too good at Swansea. But that was why Swansea was so good. And then I went to a hole the other end. was just, it wasn't, you know, lads had, lads were moving there with their wives or girlfriends and had kids. And we didn't have that at Swansea. We were just um, young lads who, if we want to go for a coffee, we went for a coffee. It wasn't, I've got to get home because my missus is bored all day. She wants to go shopping this afternoon. Yeah, we didn't have that. People don't even... I guess people don't think about that, do they? It's the same for any job. Yeah. You, know, you get a job and you have to move away, but it can be a lonely thing. And listen, I was probably didn't make it... Didn't help. Similar at Swansea, but like I said, the lads were great. I moved up to Hull. I didn't know a soul. I didn't know one other player there. I didn't know anyone who lived within an hour and a half, two hour radius of it. So it wasn't as if I had any, 
And at Swansea, am I right in saying Kenny signed a bunch of you? So at least there was a handful of players that were signing at similar times. So yeah. it was it was all new to all of you. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of new players coming into the area. And like I said, it's just really fortunate. I was moved up there. Gary Monk moved up there. Both, um, you know, on our own. So we had no other ties with anyone else. If Gaz had moved up there with a girlfriend or wife, then it might have been different because he could, wouldn't have been so open. Get one, could he? Well, it took him a while, didn't he? Yeah. I think it was his hair. All sorts of rumours about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was probably it, really, as much as anything. And it wasn't. And it wasn't like I was. What was I then? Probably two and a half, three hours from home. But I hadn't lived at home for another m- number of years, so I don't know. I was probably just lost a little bit, but. Footballing wise, especially after the first year, it was really good. Yeah, so footballing wise, you get promoted to the Premier. Yeah, yeah, to so the, the Premier League, wasn't yeah. it? So from the outside, it looks like, oh my God, what a great move! I bet he's having the time of his life. Yeah, and it's and it's the opposite. In not, a that, way, not, not that people would feel sorry for you. Yeah, no, you but know. in a way, I was having the time of my life because I just got promoted to the Premier League, which is non-league football. My aim was to get back into League Two. I did that with Swansea. Got promoted the first year into League One. Along the way, we kind of played a few championship teams and always did well and thought hmm I might have half a chance in the championships that's why I went to Hull right my chance to play championship well, I've got to go and then hold on a minute I've got playing in the Premier League it was it was a whirlwind journey um, something which I worked hard for but it was that bit was unbelievable to play in the Premier League and everything like it it just would have been even better probably in a really selfish and spoiled in every way possible if I could have done that all with Swansea because I knew what it had everything else as yeah. well as the football. Why are you talking in cliches? Why are you bringing whirlwinds and stuff like that into it? Who do you think you're talking to, mate? Just small vocabulary. Sorry about that, lad. <laughs> no problem. You were just a real steady Eddie, weren't you, Sam? Um, do you know, like, you know, I, I think, I, I'm not going to do you a disservice because you were obviously a good well, player. Well, you've already started. But I will. <laughs> <laughs> like, probably... I don't know. I didn't watch you play in non-league. Mm. Didn't watch you play in League Two. Mm. I would imagine people would say, you know, oh, he's consistent. You know, real consistent player. Yeah. And this is a compliment. You you would then have took that to League One. Real consistent. Championship was, and Premier League. I played to the level I was at, really. I wouldn't play non-league football and look amazing. I looked good enough for Kenny to sign me from non-league. Yeah. Similar with League Two. Probably there's a couple of years throughout my career when I look back and think, yeah, I was on it that year. Just for whatever reason, not through, didn't try harder, just that year in League Two, I probably stood out more than um, more than other years. I think I think you rate yourself, as a defender, you need to be 7 out of 10 every week. And that year in League Two, I probably had a few 8s and 9s in there, or quite a lot 8s and 9s. Generally, I was more 8s and 9s. Yeah. So I stood out more. The year we went up to the Premier League with Hull, same again. A lot more eights and nines. The manager pulled me in that year and he said most... The exact thing, that's where I got the same from, really. He said most defenders are seven, seven out of ten every week, eight out of ten. He said, but you come in with nines. And I was really... Just hit form, don't you, in certain times of year. And they were two seasons I really looked back on. Um, and were like, yeah, do you know what? I've, I've really earned whatever success I've come that, that season. And as much as that has carried you through, you know, your whole career, that consistency, do you think almost for that reason, for you to play in the Premier League, you had to get to the Premier League with a club, as, gotcha. opposed, as opposed to someone no signing you. No one was signing you. me. Yeah. Um, yeah. No one was signing me to... I don't think... Uh, why do you say that? In that Championship, I was... Like I said, I was really... 
I'm not I don't want to sound big headed, but that was one of those two years where I thought, Do you know what, I'm I'm up there that year. From right back I probably got definitely the most crosses from my team from right back. I remember getting fifteen, sixteen crosses in a game. Um, which is obviously good from right back. They don't count from twenty yards into your no, half, so by guy, mate. <laughs> We no, and you just have spells where you're just playing well, and like that year, no no winger hurt me um, defensively, and you just feel like yeah, every game, yeah, I can I can do well there. So listen, no one would have signed me for the Premier League, in all fairness. Um, and every league I went to, I remember Roy Evans, John Tushak's number two at Wales, saying after that first year in the Premier League, it's like um, something really pleased for you. I was like, all right, why is that? He said because everyone broke you off when you got to the Premier League. Oh, cheers, Roy. Um, and that's probably what your perception was as much as anything. And would it, would it have been a case of whatever club you were at, even though you've had an unbelievable season with Hull and you get to the Premier League, that there would be rumours that, or whether it's fans saying we need a right back or, you know, there's yeah. whispers in the paper, we're getting linked with this player and that player. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> um, that summer, so Phil Brown was manager at the time, I can remember him, all season, he never said well done to me all season. I can always remember this. Never said well done to me. Until the very end of the season, last game, he went, well done, you've been outstanding this season. Then we had to have one-on-one meetings, and that's when he went, you're probably player of the year. Any chance you saying well done throughout the year? And anyway, so I went away this summer, and then I was probably really naive to the Premier League, and we were getting linked with so many players, and we signed a lad called Bernard Mendy, the quickest right-back you've ever seen. And I was like, I'm not going to play. Yeah. I'm not going to play. And then I remember doing something in pre-season, just in a game. And Dean Windass was there. And I did a pass and he went, can't do that in the Premier League. And I remember thinking, oh, sugar, I'm going to struggle here. Because if I can't do that, I'm, I'm going to struggle. And it really affected my confidence. Yeah. Started the season, did start the season at right back for the first two or three games. And just was playing without confidence. Wasn't as good as what was the year before. Got dropped for seven or eight games. Probably the best thing that happened because I actually came out of it watch games and come on odd times in games and started doing better and thought, oh no, actually, I, I can do this. So um, I'm not a hugely confident bragger, but I like to feel it. And when I'm in a, in a I like to feel that I'm comfortable. I remember you talking, you know, after, it might have been after a year in the Premier League too, I don't, I don't know, but saying that the perception of it is wrong, uh, as in the perception that the Premier League is this, absolutely incredible league where you have to be this unbelievable player just to compete that you you were genuinely surprised that of course there's some unbelievable talent in there good players good teams but generally not too bad yeah pretty much work hard mate it's the same as anything attitude and work hard so I played non-league football and Premier League football there's people in non-league football with just as much ability if not more than people I play Premier League football with but the Premier League football people applied themselves every single day, mm. um, consistently. Yeah, and that is it: mentality, attitude, work rate, desire, all of the things which everyone forgets about. Especially kids nowadays, they all watch Messi doing stepovers and nutmegs and putting in the top corner. Brilliant, brilliant. But that's not the basis of a player. Basis of any player is hard work and attitude, and that's probably what carried me where I was. I, I always think that you know, and I always, whether it's chatting about this this topic. That consistency, again, I'm talking about perception. People have this perception that League Two is this rubbish standard and stuff like that. A League Two player is almost as good on his on his day as a 
certain Premier League player or a Championship player. It's yeah. just that if they played against each other ten times, probably the lad who's in the Championship would get the better of him seven times out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not that much difference, is there? If you break down, if you actually watch a game and see what players do, even Premier League, they'll pass it ten yards. They'll pass it fifteen yards. We can all pass a ball 10, 15 yards. It's no picking the right decision. So yeah. that's, again, a mentality. The work rate, the attitude, the desires, everything's mentality. We can all pass a ball 10 yards. Um, there are, obviously, there's players within that, then, in the Premier League, who are just a level above. Mm. There, you know, there's a, a handful. It's getting more now. Um, but I can remember every team, if we look at the top teams back then, I remember playing Liverpool twice, both times winning the game. And thinking, yeah, I remember tuning up at Anfield, thinking, yeah, we're going to win this. And then Gerard and Torres just went, mm, no, you're not, and just turned it on and just went bang, 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 goal, goal, goal. And you're like, wow. Not today, boys. Yeah. And you just, you know, they're the, they're the players you go, wow, they are special. I remember Stephen Gerard chopping me about four times on the edge of the box and me throwing my body as much as I could to try and stop a cross shot. And he was probably just laughing, thinking, look at this idiot here in front of me. Because he was just that good. You were basically his <laughs> puppet. Yeah, basically. And the fans were probably just laughing at me. And yet I was just trying my hardest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can name, what should we say, three players you've come up against, oh. well, that's directly impossible? Yeah, hard, mate. Really hard. Top of your head. Top of your head. Directly up against you would have been... Gareth Bale when he was at Spurs, just an unbelievable talent. You, as you know, you'd train with him at Wales. Oh, my word. If you stood off him, it beat you for pace and skill. If you went tight, it beat you for pace and skill. There was just nothing he couldn't do. And if you went really tight and he knocked it inside, he was giving it to Modric, who would then thread an inch-perfect pass, and you'd again, you'd end up in a race. Yeah. Either way, I used to just kick him. Or say, Gareth, seriously, go and play on the other side. <laughs> because if you don't, I'm just going to have to kick you. Literally, that's what I'd say to him in games, especially when we're playing Spurs. Do you know, like training for Wales, I'd often have to fill in for the team that wasn't playing yeah. as a defender, sometimes centre-half, sometimes right-back, and I'd be up against him. And like I would start jockeying. I'd get in a <laughs> jockey position when he was 30 yards in front of me, and he'd still beat me for pace. He's one of them players. I was fortunate. I was... Quick. I might not look quick, but I was quick. No one ever really ran me, except for him. And he was one that he'd try and run you like round the outside. And you think it's all right. I've got him here. I've got him. He can't get across him, so I, you know, I'll be all right. And then, within twenty yards, 10, 15 yards later, he's not only has he got across him, he's actually run around me still with the ball, and I've not been able to touch him. Yeah. He's just got that. I don't know. I always used to say he had like a little boost button. When he hit like the edge of the box, he just burn round you like roadrunner and just leave you in his wake it's like there's some some players that can just embarrass you almost because you know you you had an incredible international career as well um, over half a century of caps and stuff I've, I've got a handful myself but you train you know so many squad meetups and stuff you train with these boys often and you know you would definitely compete you'd be in the team and stuff and I found myself competitive training enjoying it you know doing fine but just sometimes there was just that little reminder <laughs> that you had to know your place in the football world. I, gotcha. I, I remember one training session uh, towards the end, maybe, because Joe was starting to come into the team and stuff and coming up against a team... Your where replacement, Joe Allen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where I thought I had a little bit of time trying to turn. Joe nicks it off me. He's one step ahead in the mind. He then 
pings a big diag to Ramsey, who like plucks it out of the air and then feeds this unbelievable pass to Bale, who turns on his left foot, bang, into the stanchion <laughs> within like two seconds. And I'm thinking, oh shit. And there's no shame in that, is there? No. Some people are on a different level. I had um, So Bale, one of them, Giggs was the other one. I remember playing against Giggs when uh, Old Trafford, I was right back. Why are you trying to compliment all the Welsh players? You're trying to, you're trying to fish for that job now as well. Just got to keep them happy, haven't you? <laughs> um, playing against Giggs at Old Trafford, even, what would he have been then? I don't know, 35 maybe, 36. Oh my God, he was so hard to mark. His movement was becoming short to feet, to win behind you. I just remember thinking, well, you just stand still. And then with that, you had Scholes or Carrick on the ball in midfield who inch perfect passes. He was horrible to play against. And then you get in a little tussle with him. And he was only wiry, but he was stronger than you think. Yeah. I remember going to see him in the dressing room after the game or in their treatment room. He was having a massage or something. And he's in there and I walk in there and he called the fitness coach over. I was like, Tony Strudwick, I think it was. He went, Struds, give him a gym programme, will you? He needs to bulk up a little bit. Did he? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> People don't see that in, in him, do they? That sense no. of humour. You know, I think being at Man United for that long, you have to build he's, he's, this wall yeah. from, from the media where you're sceptical and stuff like that. Yeah. It's almost like you want people to see that, that humour that he, he has got. Yeah, and I think he's probably been scarred by events <clears throat> over the years, but he was... Listen, he's been great to me. When I first got in the Wales squad, he was, he was involved, so I'd gone from playing non-league football to six months later making my debut for Wales. Which was after I didn't play my debut, he played in the next ones. And I was like, I was left back, he was left midfield. Giggsy, give us a ball. Yeah. Actually, no, you just keep it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And just get up at breakfast. We used to not eat as a team, but eat as individuals at the Vale. About three or four days running, I just happened to be like, you leave your room on the way to the dining room. Giggsy was the same time. It was only me and him. So we had a table for two, just me and him. Piss off, Sam. I, so then I, 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 could, just I could see you now in your room, looking through the little spy hole, waiting for Giggsy <laughs> to pass. I was, it was a room with then. Duff, Richard Duffy, you weren't getting up. But just every morning, and I'd be picking his brains. What do you do here? And I'm thinking, he's going to think, will this kid just shut up? For my... Anyway, he never stopped. He just answered questions. He always helped. Yeah, really good. Yeah, really good. Had some good times in the squad, didn't we? I mean, yeah. I brought this little bottle of... Uh, Rioca in in memory of I was going to say in memory he's still alive Big Tosh isn't he <laughs> uh, you know with him in mind out of respect for Big Tosh who loves a Rioca he loves it we did have some good times in the in the Tosh era didn't we yeah it was um, I think we both had similar journeys didn't we so we come from <laughs> playing in front of 50-60 people to representing um, Wales and your countries you know it was amazing so we were probably really grateful for everything what we what we saw and what we experienced and do you remember the first meeting? Um, Go on. I'm, I'm fresh out of the Welsh Premier League from, from Bangor. And within probably six weeks getting into the Swansea team, the phone call, Tosh wanted to meet both you and I in Verdi's. Remember? Yeah. In, in, down at the Mumbles. I'm just sitting there. It's like surreal. You know, you, you would have had a couple of years... You were, you were ahead of me in terms of... Well, I've been there only a year. ...where you were yeah. at. You know, you had international caps and stuff, but... To sit down with him at that time, international manager, and he's talking about the future. He he was doing the rounds, wasn't he? Yeah. Going about different clubs to talk to players, willing to give Did everyone, everyone have a to chance. Get to birdies, or is it just us? Just us, <laughs> just us. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's it was a good time with the big touch. Funny at times, you know. If you he was a really nice guy, wasn't he? Really nice, and probably didn't get the credit he deserved for what 
followed really from him. I think he put a lot of groundwork in place and, and I think he did an awful lot of good work and looking back he was probably better than what I thought at the time. He just hadn't, and this isn't being critical at all, he's managed Real Madrid twice, just that the game had probably changed a little bit in the last couple of years. Just methods of doing things really, but everything was very, very similar. Went a million miles away from what people are talking about now and he was ahead of the game really talking about it. I remember playing games in training and, and him, keep the ball, keep the ball, don't mind you keeping the ball, keep the ball. And I'd never heard that before and he probably didn't put it across a way that I really understood it. But now everyone's raving about Pep and his team keeping the ball, keeping the ball and everything. And yet, you know, Tosh was doing that 10, 20 years ago. He probably just didn't quite... He had his, his methods in place, but as a manager, you have to tinker, you have to adapt as time moves on as well, don't you? Yeah. And that's probably what he didn't do. Yeah. We, were, we were, I would imagine, still doing exactly the same as he would have done at Real well, Madrid. Why you imagine? You know we were doing the same. Well, I wasn't at Real Madrid, was I? No, but... But that's, was, yeah. you know, almost exactly that. Whereas you have to try and adapt a little bit, don't you? Yeah. But some guys see it as the this principles is what were right. Yeah. The principles were right. It's just how we got it across to the players. So I think, looking back anyway. So how many caps, Sam? 52? 52, yeah. Got a gold cap? Yeah, got it last week. Last week? Yeah, I spoke to... Um, so you had to get a job with a Welsh club for them to finally think, oh, shit. Yeah, we've... I think that just jogged their memory. No, I did get one at the time. And then I spoke to Mark Evans and he's like, no, when you retire, you get a proper gold cap. Okay. I was like, right, okay. So I retired, I got onto him. It's probably taken about a year to come. And then it came last week and it was uh, nice to put your name on the front and how many caps you got, something like that. So yeah, it was really nice. You can't have imagined that was possible. God, no. You would have, been, you would have took a couple, wouldn't you? There was a time I was on the bench and on league. Yeah. And my, my ambition was to get back into league and just play league football. And then, like I said, everything then was league two, um, was to get... We played League Two. We played Reading that year. The year they went up from the Championship. Did they go undefeated the whole year, or they got lost one game right at the end of the season? We played them home and away in the FA Cup. Okay. And I did really, really well. And they tried to sign me. Um, and I thought, oh, Championship. Yeah, I want to. If I can reach Championship, I'll be happy. Yeah. And then everything was a step. That's <clears> why I said went to Hull. That's why I went to Hull because it was Championship. That's what I'd have been aiming for. And then it was the Premier League and and everything after that. But. Yeah, it, my career had gone from, from nothing. I took a gamble. And that's what I'm saying now to come into Wrexham. Uh, we're in the conference and I'm speaking to players who are 22, 23 at league clubs, but never playing more than 10 games a season, 15 games a season. No, come and play a full season here. Back yourself. Because if you back yourself and you succeed, your career will fly far, far quicker. If you keep playing 10 games a season, you'll, you, you won't have a career in a minute because you'll be too old. You'll be 27, 28 and never played. And then a Wrexham maybe won't be interested in you. Whereas if you're 24, you've still got value. Yeah. Where come and play. Come and play 30, 40, 50 games a season. Prove yourself and you'll fly through the leagues. Whereas if you just stay at a league one side playing 10 games a year, you're, you're, um, your career's just going to stall. But for you, the international stuff was just an icing. So you were, you were climbing through the ranks and this was just a, this was just oh, a gotcha. bonus. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I remember walking into the Vetch one day, one morning, Alan Curtis was there. Walked past him, morning Kurt, and I carried on walking. He's like, Sam, come back. I was like, okay, yeah, and he went, um, he was with John Toshak, but Toshak had his back to me, so I didn't ever, I just carried on walking. 
And uh, he said, oh, John Toshak wants to have a word with you. And he spoke about it then. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Fancy I think Flynn it was. I think Flynn recommended me to him. Does his research, doesn't he? Flynn. Bit, bit of homework on who, who comes from where. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Nah, quality. And now, you know, Wrexham, another Welsh club. You've said that you've kept a keen eye on them in the recent last couple of months or so. Yeah, probably the last season, to be fair. From especially from last year, you know, we were doing our courses and Darlow was there and he we just got talking and he said he spoke about him coming in here, what Keats he was setting up. So yeah, interesting. We'll follow that a little bit and um just watch their results much and anything. Speak to Darlow every time we met up and bits and pieces and then um yeah, it's funny how it all works out. And what what a challenge really, because you know, people see this club as a huge club in the division that they're in, but you face the troubles that previous managers have had. I would, I would say Wrexham, maybe on three levels, are a big club. They've got the ground, mm-hmm. which, you know, great ground for, for this level. Yep. They've got the fan base. Yep. If you can get them on side, brilliant. Uh, and they've got the history. Yep. But apart from the fans who can have an impact, they count for nothing. They, they're not going to help you that much on the pitch. You know, no, Wrexham are now a non-league club, aren't they? Yeah, and I think we're non-league club, and I think gradually the club's been mishandled, hasn't it, for for numerous years now. Lost the training ground where lost five training years ground, ago, lost Wrexham, the ground, yeah. you know, lost lost everything, and the support. So we're fan based. Um, the supporters who have now come over and taken over the club have, have given the club some decent foundations again, both on and off the pitch. So financially, they're stable. They spend what they can afford to spend. We don't have a big benefactor. We don't have a Roman Abramovich, um, unless any of the fans win a, the National Lottery very soon. We have no big windfall coming in. So we are where we are. Um, but we do have the ground on lease, we don't own the ground, but you know we have the, the ground, um, the fans every week, and the fans, fans are fans. They want to be entertained mm. as much as anything. They want to win, but they want to be entertained as well. We have to provide a football which is winning with entertainment as well, ideally, and they want a, a successful football club. Now, this football club for eleven years has been at this level, so it's not like they've just dropped down last year or two years. They're at this level, and they're at this level for a reason. What we're trying to do, or what I'm trying to do, is build on the foundations which are put in place for this club to be sustained success not just for one year there's not there's no point blowing the club's budget and getting promoted one year then relegated again next year then maybe come back up again you want sustained success a bit like what Swansea have done we're just starting a level lower than Swansea um, to build that sustained success is, th- is that something you are fully aware of coming in in terms of battling with a budget that I would imagine People would think of Wrexham as having the highest budget in the league, where it's it's probably more mid-table, you know, run of the mill. You have to look elsewhere. It's not as if players are fl- growing off trees for you. Yeah, listen, you have to be creative. Are we going to be the the player, the club paying um, ex-league players a couple of grand a week? No, no, we're not, and we don't have a big benefactor. So, you know, there's other clubs in this league who are already in the league. One's coming up, Salford. Salford will do what they've done in every league. Um, listen, they can do whatever they want to do. But they'll go and buy the best players in, in the league. They'll pay more than what anyone else can pay them. They'll go and get um, 10 of the best players, weaken everyone else, make their team strong to go and get promoted again. So our model isn't that. We can't just go and cherry pick the best players. We're not the Man City of the league. We have to be more creative about that. And we have to 
Um, so we've got a huge pull in the club. Like you said, the three things the club has, size, ground, history, which you know, these sides don't have. So we have to be creative with it. And in a funny way that when we do get promoted, we're probably in a better position because then there's financial fair play in the league, whereas in this league there isn't. So owners can just be, keep pumping money and pumping money and pumping money in. Um, you know, in, in the league, they can't do that. I think you need to sort your scouting out because um, Go on. I put the boots on for the first time in three years last week in a charity game, seven and a half. Not bad, Sam. Not bad. My scout was there. Oh, what did he say? What was the feedback? <laughs> I wouldn't like to say. If he gets turned, huge trouble. <laughs> the deepest centre half you've ever seen in your life. How was it? It was all right. My knee was a little bit sore afterwards. Very sore for a couple of days. Yeah. But uh, enjoyed it, mate. It was nice to, nice to get back out there. Um, for you now, how do, how do you see your life changing? Because management, and this is the reason I believe that I haven't put you know, all, first of all, I haven't done my coursework. Yeah. But second of all, I know what it takes, or I think I know, to be a manager, you have to live football 24 hours a day. Yeah. And it's started for you now. The phone, I'm sure, is constantly ringing. How are you going to yeah. deal with that? Your home life and stuff. Where's I'm the really popular, mate. Really popular. I've never know, made so many friends. They're all agents. <laughs> really? But, um, yeah, maybe come back and speak to me next year. Right now, listen, I love football and it is 24-7, but I'm really enjoying it. Maybe it's because I'm fresh. Um, I haven't had a long season. You're like you're like Owen Tither Jones turning up at Swansea yeah. for a trial. You're just you're just raw, you've got just a smile my on your face. Flip flop boots on. <laughs> you're just enjoying life, aren't you? Yeah. Wait till a couple of decisions go against when you start <laughs> start seeing me having a go at the ref. Yeah, because you, you probably come into it you, you you're quite a chilled character. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you don't get too excited and stuff. I and get you... more emotional now I'm not playing yeah. than when I was a player. So I think player, you kind of don't really get time to. And generally, I was probably too tired to be shouting at a ref too much. Yeah. Now, I'm on the sideline. I'm far more emotional. I feel more um, more for it. But I don't want that to, to be my style. If there's a bad decision, I'll make my feelings heard. But I'll try and do it in a more... Um, Listen, I'm not going to be throwing cups of tea and things like that. Um, but I'll get my point across in a way to the referee, probably more in a joking way, but serious at the same time. So he just looks... Joking for two months and then <laughs> after that, you're in. Your hairs are going to go greyer. would be like you then. Well, it's a, it's a stressful life, this, this media like <laughs> trying, to, trying to find people. You can see I'm scraping look. the bottom of the barrel for the podcast already. I know, you're struggling there, aren't you? <laughs> no, it's uh, been good. It's been good. Yeah, so listen, it's going to be hard. I know it is, and it's like anything. There's no the lads aren't in now, but I'm trying to get all my prep work done for next season because all what I've learned in football is everything's the players you have. You know, if you, the best manager in the world, Pep Guardiola didn't win the Premier League last year. He won it this year when he spent 250 million because he wanted better players than what Man City already had. They already had world class players. Players are everything. Players to fit your style as well. Yeah, players to fit my style. But then also at the same time, we're not Man City, so I can't go and cherry pick the exact ones. So maybe my style has to um, change depending on who I can get. Because we have to be successful for the now, but like I said earlier, you need to be successful long term. Have, so have you got a specific style like in your mind now before you've even met the players and recruited and stuff? There has to be a vision in order to... 
identify which players to bring in. Yeah, of course it does. I have a style for how I like football to play. I have a, but then I also, and what we're fortunate is we played in every league, so we know that in each league what it takes to be successful. Now I can't play in the conference the same football as what you play in the Premier League. Different players, different pitches, different everything with it. So there's a certain element at this level you have to have in your team. And with all due respect to everyone at this level, myself included, we aren't. We're all lacking something. Otherwise, we'd be in the Premier League now. So I can't have. Um, I can't have the centre forward who's big, strong, quick, goal scorer, uh, great first touch, great link up play. A couple of them are missing, otherwise they wouldn't be at Wrexham. Yeah. So then that for there, that changes how we, how we, how we play, what we do. Are we going to play out from the back? But then you're on artificial turf one week. You're on a nice. The race course is a brilliant pitch all year round. Next week you're at somewhere it looks like the farmers just ploughed it. Mm. So you know you have to work with with what you what you've got to work with. Do you not think it's wild that? People think you're a better fit for this job now, not because you've played in the Premier League or 52 Castle Wales, because you know people think I oh, played it. He played in this yeah. in the conference. You know, I, I, personally, I, I I believe that to be a myth in terms of you know a manager. You need a manager who knows the level. He knows yeah. the league. I, I think any manager can come into this club or whatever, whatever level. And it just takes a little bit of research to get to know players from opposition and stuff. Yeah, there is that as well. But it also depends what you're coming into. So Nuno Espirito Santo doesn't know the championship. I'm sure he'd never watched it before he comes yeah. to Wolves. And he plays his way. But then he has got huge resources to go and get the best players to play his way. Yeah. Now, I don't have those huge resources. So I need to adapt you can use my your way own as money. such... You, you, you sponsoring us this year? You can use OTJ your own money. Productions. <laughs> that, that, that bank balance is getting lower and lower. But um, yeah, uh, listen. If we get these wheels moving a little bit, I'd like to see. You know, the club could take some stopping, but it's just trying to get the right things. I'll, I'll say it again: we haven't got endless pots of money. We've got. A, we're competitive. Don't get me wrong, but unfortunately, I'm not um, going out and. Just cherry picking the best players from, from, well, from from wherever I want. And now you've got a long wait before you get to even meet the players. You know, people, as a player, you know you've been there before. There's a new manager coming in. There's that little bit of apprehension. You, the, the lads are talking amongst themselves, thinking, yeah. "What's he going to be like?" Inside your own mind, you're worried. Is he going to like me and stuff like that? Yeah. But you must be just as nervous about meeting them and being on the first day. Only um, you have to act put on this bravado no I think everything you I do at the minute is going to be um, apprehension more than nervous just because I've not done it before I've mm. not stood in front of a group of players and told them I'm the manager and this is what we're, we're doing um, I've thought about it but I've not actually physically done it yet but I've already met um, Captain Sean Pearson spoke to him and I'm meeting the um, he's the leader of the dressing room he's club captain he's captain so that's a really important relationship myself and him so I've made sure that I've only been in the job a week or so and I've made sure that I've met him and um, put my ideas across to him this is what this is where we're going this is what we're doing what his thoughts going forward um, yeah you need to have that that strong um, that strong bond and in terms of going in to speak to the players are you a guy who 
probably I'm more someone in that situation. I like to practice, you know, whether it's in the car, in front of the mirror and stuff. Are you a little bit more no, I'll be walk little... in there and you know the right I'll, words will come out? Yeah, I'll know what I want to say and I'll just... And that's probably what I've, I've learned since stopping playing was talking at Coventry in front of the lads, um, getting up in front of everyone and telling them what I think and having the confidence to... Listen, there's everything I'll do, there'll be a reason behind it. I might not pick a player, there's a reason behind it and I'll tell them the truth. Every... Um, meeting I have there's a reason behind it I'm not just calling a meeting for the sake of the meeting my first time I meet the players there'll be a reason behind it and there'll be certain things I want to get across to the players what I expect from them more than anything to be honest with you because like anything like a Wrexham fan I'm not here to come and finish mid-table no mid-table isn't um, isn't good for Wrexham it's not good for me we want to be uh, in the top of regions of the table well we want promotion don't we let's be honest well, Sam, I hope that happens. I wish you the best of luck. I thank you for being a guest on the podcast. What's this podcast called? The Long Man's Football World. The Long Man's Football World. You are now a fully-fledged member, <laughs> aren't you? I'm there, mate, I'm there. Yeah, but you're not going to be on there on social media. Are you now going to turn into a manager that creates a Twitter account? No, it's not me, mate. It's not me. You're going to do well to find me. No? No. No interest? Don't be atting me in, in your... <laughs> In your podcast now. No, it's not Sa- funny. Sam, honestly, I hope you're the guy to turn it around. Being a guy from North Wales, you know, it's it's not just good for the for Wrexham. It's good for for this part of uh, of our country. So good luck to you. Maybe we'll do it again in preparation for League Two next season. Welcome back, lad. Top man. Job done. Podcast done. Sam Ricketts, pleasure to be in his company once again. He's a busy man. His phone is going off flat out. Agents left, right and centre, constantly getting in touch with him, offering players and stuff. Oh, radio's gone on. I'll carry on. He's got a, a little meet and greet with the fans tonight, expecting three to four hundred of them, so loads of different questions coming his way. Um, but he's looking forward, looking forward to the challenges ahead trying to get Wrexham back to where they belong in the Football League. He most definitely shut me down as a possible acquisition to his squad. So, no need for that. No need to be quite so rude. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Getting to know Sam. Getting to know his personality, which I'm pretty sure will will lead to a successful season and more with Wrexham Football Club. Hopefully you enjoyed. Leave a review. Subscribe. Leave a rating to the Longman's Football World podcast. Till next time.